live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for president. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric Bilstead, have you noticed something about the office today? An observation? Um, not as many people around. There's nobody here. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I pull into the parking lot. It's three quarters yeah. empty. I mean, I, I understand we've got a three-day vacation coming up. It seems to me like an, an inordinate amount of people have decided, and I, I, my guess is our workplace is no different than anywhere else, that they're going to turn it into a five, five or six day. I mean, I, I pull into the parking lot, and some days, I mean, it's just absolutely packed, and you're going, oh, I can't find a parking space. Today, it's like, my God, there's nobody here. <laughs> There's, yeah, and, and my guess is tomorrow, if today it is empty, tomorrow there's going to really be nobody man, here. And I'm in for Mercura tomorrow afternoon. I, well, after the Brewers game, it's going to be me and Nick, and no uh, one else will be well, in this place. Well, and, and they're we'll already the lights right. Off. They're already starting the happy dance over there because okay, uh, M- Melissa and, and we we love Melissa Barclay, but Melissa's kind of loud off the air she's doing the happy dance over there because she's taking off for like a three or four day weekend so she's got i got a one hour show today and then i'm just done and mccure he's not here tomorrow no exactly oh, yeah. no i'll i, I <laughs> you know I, I will be here grew you will be here eric you will yep, be I'll here we'll, we'll be there and, and the one good thing that's nice is we're not going to have we're going to be able to park really close to the door in our parking lot. That's going to be it. So regardless of whether or not you're you're at work or you're at home getting ready for the upcoming weekend, or if you're on the road having turned this into a five-day weekend, we are very glad to have you with us. Let us get started. If you were in the area of Highway of 124th Street and Burleigh Road on Monday night around 9 o'clock, and you did something, I have one thing to say to you, and that is shame, shame, shame on you. Now, let me back into this story. We all are presented in life with with choices where you can do the right thing or you can do the wrong thing. And, And I'd like to think that most of us choose to do the right thing. Let me just give you an example. I was at the Brewers game a couple weeks ago, and... Um, our our season tickets. I got a twenty pack of season tickets. They're kind of right behind home plate, and in that area right behind home plate, as you're as you're going in, there's a couple of like hot dog stands, and then they've got a freestanding like beer cooler in in the middle where they sell beer. So I am in line with my buddy. We're we're going to get beers, and I, there's there's a woman who's like sweeping up the floor, and I'm I'm second from the front, and she points down to the floor. And there's a credit card on the floor. Now, she thinks that I have dropped the credit card. So I haven't. It's not mine. But I bend down and I, I pick it up. It's somebody's MasterCard or something. And so I, I, I then the, the guy in front of me leaves. I then, you know, go up to the, the guy behind the counter and I give him the credit card. And I say, you know, somebody just dropped this. At which point in time, this guy actually kind of comes running up and says, I, I think that that's mine. It's, that must be mine. And the guy behind the counter says, 
well, what's your name? And he says, Mike something or other, and that's what the name of the card is. And so they give the guy the card. And he turns to me and he says, oh, my God, thank you so much for, for doing that. And I kind of nodded and said, you're, you're welcome. And then the guy behind the counter says, well, that was really nice of you. Thank, thanks for turning that in. And and I, I, I was a little bit taken back, and I said, well, what 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 was I going to do, steal the guy's card? And the man says, you would be surprised at what people do. And I'm thinking, all right, it, I mean, maybe it's just the, kind of like the do unto others thing. I mean, if I dropped my credit card, you know, a- after buying a couple beers, I would hope somebody would give it to the guy there instead of putting it in their pocket. But apparently, lots and lots of people don't. Don't get it. Which brings me to what happened in Brookfield. There is a BP gas station. Now, there's a story about this in the paper that candidly isn't very well written because it doesn't include some key details about this. But here's bottom line what happens. Monday night, it's one of these stations where... They, they close the the physical station, like they close the convenience store part of the station ar- around 9 o'clock. So there's nobody in there, but you can still pump gas with a credit card, all right? So the clerk, around 8.30 or 8.45, as the clerk is getting ready to go home, he sets the gas price on the different pumps. The gas price for silver gasoline, the, the mid-grade, is supposed to be $2.89 a gallon. The clerk screws up, and he sets it for $0.28 cents a gallon. It's it's clearly like the, the signs outside say $2.89, etc., but the price on the pump says $0.28. Cents. The guy has screwed up. He has made a mistake. So what happens then? And what do all these people in Brookfield end up doing? Do they say, oh, my gosh, this this gas station owner has made a mistake or the clerk's made a mistake, and, and let's call the cops right away and let's let somebody know about this? Or like cockroaches in the middle of the night descending on a piece of sugar cookie left on the kitchen, do they flock to the gas station to see how much gas they can pump at 28 cents a gallon? Well, you know the answer. I mean, here's what happened. Apparently, somebody goes, sees that it's 28 cents a gallon, and then not only fills their tank, but then starts calling friends and going on social media saying, hey, the pump is set at 28 cents. Let's come on over. And so what happens is it's a couple hours. Apparently, lines of cars are then pouring into this gas station. They're backed up on Burley Street um, as everybody's trying to get to this pump. The only reason anybody finds out about this is somebody calls the cops because there's such a traffic jam that is now backing up on, on Burley as all these people flock to this gas station to take advantage of the mistake that somebody has made before. Before somebody finds out about it, as it turns out, um, before the cops were able to contact the owner and they alerted him to it, they pumped about 1,300 gallons of gasoline that was, you know, supposed to cost, you know, whatever, supposed to be 2.89. They pumped it at 28 cents a gallon. The owner of the gas station lost thousands of dollars in the space of the time that this happened. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, I I like a deal as well as the next guy and maybe better than most. But I, I reiterate, I think everybody 
who flocked to that BP station on Monday night to try to, I don't know, take advantage of the error of the clerk. I, I think every one of you who did that should be ashamed of yourselves. And if, you know, if you ever, God forbid, you should ever make a mistake that somebody is then able to exploit. And I don't see, I just couldn't live with myself doing that. It's clearly something that's wrong. To me, is that shoplifting? Is that stealing? Is it the same thing as if I would have taken that credit card that I found on the floor and then, you know, used it to buy beers myself and seen how far I could go with it? Not quite, but it's almost like that. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I say this without fear of contradiction. There, if I saw on my on my Twitter account or something, somebody saying, hey, they've made a mistake. The gas is 28 cents a gallon. Get down here before anybody finds out about it. My first call would be to the police saying, hey, you should alert the owner that there's a whole bunch of, of cockroaches that are in line trying to take advantage. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet mortgage talk and text line okay let's discuss this were the people who lined up who essentially i don't want to say stole because they paid for it but exploited what everybody knew was a significant mistake to the tune of some local gas station operator now out whatever the profit margin is you know obviously this cost the guy if he lost 1300 gallons it, this this cost him thousands of dollars should anybody feel good about that? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Clint in Bayview. Clint, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Clint. I was hoping you do this story. Um, I was livid when I saw that. I worked at a gas station over the summer in college, um, so I know how it can go. But I just think it, it's disappointing. And, yeah. you know, I, I saw the area it was in. I... I hate to be divisive, but I think anybody willing to, because this guy's our neighbor, he's a local businessman, I think anybody willing to exploit and take advantage of their neighbor like that is trash. And I saw a lot of fancy cars in that video, people who probably don't need, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Right, right. it, it was it, the disgusting is exactly the word. Now, thanks. To, I mean, and again, I'm, I, I'm sitting there thinking about, all right. Imagine it's you, and you know you. I don't know you. You drop. You, you've got some cash, and you you've got five twenties in your pocket, and you drop them. And so there's a hundred dollars. Somebody comes along, they see you drop it. Okay, you don't know you've done it. Now, wouldn't you expect that person to pick up the 20s and go and say, sir, you, you dropped this? I mean, wouldn't you like to think that that's what people would do? Well, that's kind of the equivalent of this. Clearly, it is a mistake. You know that they're not selling gas for 28 cents a gallon. It's a mistake, and yet you have all these leeches, these cockroaches that try to exploit it. Oh, shame on everybody who did this. All right, we pick up the conversation there. If you're on the line, please hold on. I, I just couldn't live with myself if I did something like this. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Dave from Mequon says it's the same as knowing the clerk at the grocery store only rang up one item instead of the 10 you have in your cart. I think it's stealing. If you can leave the store with a clear conscience, you are a thief. Chrissy in Oconomowoc. Chrissy, you're on WTMJ. Hi. I was just thinking that if I came upon that situation and I had my kids in the car, it would be a perfect opportunity for a life lesson to teach them 
that that is stealing, that somebody made a mistake, everybody knows the gas doesn't cost that much, and it would be an opportunity. It's sad that that people were actually lined up, but there's just, uh, I work in Milwaukee all day long, there's just so many people that have no respect for other people. And I don't know if their moms didn't teach them that or if they just choose to be that way, but it, it's it's unbelievable. Well, I see it all day long. Well, it is. I've got a couple textures who say, well, maybe people didn't know about this. Maybe, maybe oh. it was – that's exactly my reaction. They were lined this, – this is 9.15 on a Monday night, and the only reason yeah. the cops found out about it is because there's such a traffic jam. It's all down Burley as people right. are in line. You know, you, you know they didn't all of a sudden say, hey, we're, we're going to stand in line at 9.15 at night to wait to get here. Because, right. Right, it's, it, of right. course, the word got out that there was a mistake on the pumps bring everything you can let's try to see how much gas we can siphon before somebody figures this out unbelievable it, 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 no, thank, it, it's, and it's, it's not just unbelievable chrissy it's disappointing yeah yeah it is and i just see the disrespect all all the time all the time i see it and it's like i i just right. what happened well right you know? and for i mean th- thanks for call and for and for twenty five bucks, I mean, okay, so so let, let's say you're, it's ten dollars to fill up your tank, and so all right, it's supposed to be two ninety. That's twenty nine dollars. So you you get it for you know a, whatever you get it for three bucks or whatever. Yes, you, you've saved twenty five dollars or twenty six dollars or whatever that number is going to be. But really, that that's what you're going to do. And I bet you, I bet you, there were people there that were high fiving each other, thinking they did just this this great job. Here we've done it. And and of course, you've got a local businessman um, who's who's a part of the community. You know, trying to make a, a living, employing people, and things like that. And now he's out. Whatever you know, he had to pay for you know those you know for that thirteen hundred gallons, thirteen hundred gallons. Jim and McGuanago. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Good morning. Hi, Jim. My thought. My thought on this is, if it was just the opposite way, like it said, twenty eight cents a gallon on the street sign, there would be people lining up. Uh, with the uh, Department of uh, Agriculture saying this guy's false advertising, I want my gas for twenty eight cents a gallon. Hmm. The other side of the other thought on this is those people have probably never put silver in their gasoline the entire time they've owned it. <laughs> well, well, that's right. Who use? I mean, seriously, that <laughs> that's a very good point because the. I mean, let's face it. Most of if, if your car takes premium, then you put premium in, and if otherwise, you know, you use regular. You're you're exactly right. But it's hey, the silver was the cheap stuff. This stuff where there was the mistake here, we're going to take advantage of it. You know, I, here's, here, here's my other thought on that. I hope their cars run like crap. <laughs> I think so. Well, here's the bottom line. A number of people on our text line are making the, the point this one person texts me. So for 40 to 60 bucks, it was probably actually less than that. All those people will face karma at some point. My hope is it comes back tenfold. Obviously, not a single one of them ever owned a business. Yeah, I see. That's that's my thing with life. I I do very very strongly believe that there is this thing like karma, and it and it does it does come back to you. And so you know when you when you do something good and you pay it forward, like they say, you know I I believe that you know you're you're scoring good karma points when you do stuff like this even if you're you're not going to get caught and even if they're going to be able to do not do something to you um you know it, it's it's i tell you i just i don't want that hanging over my head let's talk to tj in brookfield tj you're on wtmj hey jeff um you're absolutely right character is doing you know the right thing when nobody's looking but 
the fact of the matter is, is that people were looking. I'm imagining that there's a, uh, a security camera somewhere involved, not to mention that their credit cards or ATM card information was captured by the individual pump that they used. Yeah. So the owner had some ramifications and, you know, some uh, routes to figuring out exactly how to recoup his loss. Well, but what does he do? I see that that's the the problem. A number of people are texting saying, "Well, maybe they've got you know they've, they've presumably they have cameras and things like that, and presumably people you know like you say use credit card information." But I don't I don't know what recourse the owner would have because. I mean, they set the, the clerk made a mistake. The clerk set the price at twenty eight cents a gallon. So I mean, I, if it were me who had done that, which I wouldn't do, I'd say, hey, look, I, okay, maybe I thought something was funny, but, you know, it's not my problem. They said they were selling it for 28 cents a gallon. I didn't do I didn't do anything criminal, um, even though I did something sleazy. <laughs> criminal, yeah. sleazy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, no, no thanks for calling. That, that, see, that, I think the owner, in my opinion, the owner is probably just kind of out of luck as far as trying to recoup because – all right. The, I mean, again, the price on the pump is twenty eight cents a gallon. The people say, "Well, you know, I, I I put the credit card in. It's it's not like I jimmied the pump myself. If they made a mistake, you know, it's their problem." So, I mean, I don't think there's a, a criminal thing. You know who these people are. I just think it's a it's just disappointing. And and again, I'm I'm sorry if I've offended some of you who were in line trying to get as much gas as you want. But yes, I. I, I think what happened to that BP gas station, again, the, the best example I can give is the cockroaches in the middle of the night on the floor of that apartment when you leave a sugar crumb and they all kind of converge. That's what happened in Brookfield on Monday night. And I feel bad for the owner of the gas station who's out thousands and thousands of dollars. And for the people who got, you know, their full tank of gas, well, I hope you have a flat tire. <laughs> Yes, that's maybe. I just hope you have a flat tire. That would be karma coming back. That's not too vindictive, Jeff. No, it's that's not. That's just about right. Right, exactly. I mean, <laughs> and I'm not. I don't hope you have a flat tire. I don't have a blowout on the freeway. No, but just if a you, flat tire. Yeah, if you if you come out, it, that would be that would kind of be like God's way of getting even. You know, you come out. You know, you you filled up your gas tank and you've ripped off. And again, I understand it's not a criminal thing, but you've ripped off this guy for you know how, however much you've ripped him off, and you think it's so happy, and then you come out and your tire's flat and you're dry. Way. That, to me, would be God's way of saying, well, maybe you shouldn't have done it. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us, Gru. Do you have an opinion on that divorce thing? No. No, you don't. You, well, you've, see, you've, you, you, you have never been married um, so you've never been through a divorce. and so I think if, if you said, Jeff, you have to take an issue on it, a position on it, while I think it's not a wise thing for somebody who's been divorced to immediately get remarried, I, 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 I'm not sure I think the government should be telling people that they can't. That's kind of where I come down on this. That's that's where it's making sense for me, too. But also, the, I'm, seeing, I'm trying to think of the scenario in which this actually happens. Oh, I'll bet you it happens a lot. I, I, I will actually bet you it happens a lot I, because a lot of times one of the reasons that there are divorces is there there's other people involved. So my my guess is maybe it's a situation where one of the spouses was having an affair and, you know, they're this is the person that they're going to marry and they want to, you know, why I, I, my guess is it happens more than you think that people want to get married in that six month period. That would that would be my guess of this and and again while i think it's a bad idea i'm just i think if you if i had to come down with this i'd say well i'm not sure the government should be telling people that they can't 
do that. But I, again, <laughs> I've never been through a divorce either, so don't don't know. All right, let us. Comp- oh, by the way, I wanted to comment on on a story that's extremely undercovered, but it's going to be getting a lot more attention. And Annie Schwartz, who is a uh, former spokesperson for the Milwaukee Police Department, local, um, um, uh, she worked, used to work for newspapers as, as well, and she is a regular contributor to Steve Scafidi's show. She's on Wednesdays. She she alerted me to this a couple weeks ago, and then she started talking about it yesterday, and, and now the, the deadline is coming closer, and it is a story to watch, and it is a story that is incredibly undercovered. The new police chief in the city of Milwaukee is Alfonso Morales, and I think he has done a very, very good job. I I think the last several years of the Ed Flynn administration were disastrous. I I think Flynn got involved in in politics, and he let let politicians start making law enforcement decisions, and I I think it was clearly to the, the detriment of the community. Um, Morales is a cop's cops. You know, he, he, he's not a politician. He's he's a, a career law enforcement guy. And I think he has done a, a very, very good job. And he's done that under some trying circumstances, you know, given, you know, what's happened with the lo- loss of police officers' lives on duty. And I think in general, I, I, the, the police officers that I know, the cops that I know, they, they like him. They think he's doing a good job. He's viewed as one of them. Um, I, I and that's not to say that I've agreed with every decision that he's made. You know, you're never going to have that. But I think he's been a breath of fresh air for the Milwaukee Police Department. I think he's been he's done a good job. So where is the controversy? Well, here's where the story gets gets interesting. Um, his his appointment was a, like an interim appointment. He he's not the permanent police chief. So he's kind of like filling Flynn's term. Tom Barrett gets to nominate the police chief, and Barrett has not nominated Morales for, like a, again, another term. And uh, Annie Schwartz was talking about this. See, here's the little secret that's out there. Morales is perceived as, as being one of the things that, that Tom Barrett just can't stand. And it's not, not tough on crime, although Barrett's not necessarily a tough on crime guy. But Morales... To the extent he is perceived as being political, he's perceived as being a Republican. For example, um, he was one of the people that President Trump considered appointing as the U.S. Marshal for the Eastern District of Wisconsin. Governor Walker wanted to appoint Chief Morales as the acting Milwaukee County Sheriff after David Clark resigned. And, And so... Barrett's perception is that, well, he's not a Democrat, and I want to have a Democrat. And this is now starting to be kind of interesting. Um, I, again, Morales doesn't talk about his political affiliation. I don't know what his political affiliation is. I will tell you the perception, though, is he's 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 not a mainstream Democrat. And for Tom Barrett, um, well, the, the rumors are that Barrett is looking – to find a Democrat to appoint to be the chief of police. You know, and Annie was talking about that yesterday, maybe not quite that bluntly, but that's that's what the word is out. Now, again, given all the problems that the city of Milwaukee has, and I understand that Tom Barrett has his priorities, like let's see how we can build the, the trolley to nowhere and things like that. I have always believed that when you find something that works, you keep going with it until it doesn't work. And I think the vast majority of people in the city 
would say that as far as being an urban police chief, and that's not an easy gig, Alfonso Morales has been a pretty done a pretty good job. So I, I'm just alerting you to the fact that this issue is out there and it's, it's kind of bubbling over. Um, it's been an undercurrent for a couple months now. Lots of people starting to talk about it. But his term is up, I, I believe, at, at the end of this year. The contract, I think, expires in December or January. And, and Barrett's... You know, normally you would want continuity, and you'd, you know, normally it would be the kind of thing that says, "Hey, you're, you're here. We are. We're we're going into the fall. Your contract is up in a couple months. You're doing a really good job. I'm happy with this. Here, we're going to keep going. I mean, that's how you do, and you know, that's how businesses do. You know, you've got somebody who's under contract. They're a successful performer. You go in and you say, "All right, let, let's start talking about. You know, let's continue this. Are you interested in staying, etc.?" Barrett, because of politics, is apparently not willing to do that. And the last thing that Tom Barrett needs and the city of Milwaukee needs is, again, a political police chief put in because, well, I don't know, the current police chief is perceived as being too conservative or too much of a Republican to the extent he is. I don't know if he's a Republican or a Democrat, but too conservative. If, if what we're going to do is turn urban policing over to somebody that, that Barrett perceives is more political, that would be perhaps a fatal mistake as Tom Barrett moves into the re-election cycle. Bottom line is, it's a story to watch. It's been kind of bubbling under the surface, but I think you'll probably start to hear more about that. And the operative question is, why hasn't Alfonso Morales been offered a contract extension? And is it simply because his politics don't match those of Tom Barrett? This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I am not rooting against Midwest Airlines, Midwest Express Airlines making a comeback. But let me just say this. I, I, I just don't think this is going to work. And I, I wonder how much of this is kind of a publicity stunt. Now, the big story yesterday was, all right, Midwest Express is going to start flying again. For those of you who aren't familiar, um, Midwest Express, which was a regional airline, it grew out of, it was originally like Kimberly Clark out of Appleton. They, they had their own airlines, and then they started saying, okay, we're going to fly to different places. There was a time in the 80s and the 90s where I mean, Midwest Express then was the gold standard for, for airlines, and they'd have direct flights, and they'd have two across leather seating, and they'd serve you like steaks at night. I used to fly back and forth. They had these turnaround trips to Washington. You'd, I used to have to go to Washington a lot. You'd fly to Washington in the morning, and they'd have this big fancy breakfast. On the way back, they'd serve you wine and stuff in these two across leather seats, and, and you'd have dinner. I mean, it was really spectacular. But the problem, and they had the, these, these chocolate chip cookies that they'd make. Um, the problem was... It couldn't make any money out of it. The airline industry is absolutely brutal. You know, that the... The, the, the way we travel nowadays, and we're going to get to this in just a second, you know, they, they pack as many people in as they possibly can. It is expensive. You're, you're held hostage by fuel costs and things like that. And Midwest Express, they, they ultimately they just couldn't compete. Great service and stuff, but people didn't want to pay for the service, so it goes belly up. So now they're, they're making a return, sort of. The way they're, they're, they have it is there, there's a company called Midwest Express, but the way I understand it, they're, they're, not, they're not going to own any airplanes or anything. Thing. They're going to lease some airplane, or they're in some arrangement with a company uh, that has a plane out of uh, out of Maine that's going to fly limited routes: Milwaukee to Grand Rapids, Cincinnati, and and Omaha. Uh, extremely reg- regional. They're going to be small planes, fifty seats, 
And I, I, again, they're going to have the cookie. They, they talk about that. So you have all these people that are excited. And, and I guess here, here's the first thing. First of all, that Midwest Express that, that we remember before it kind of went belly up and got farmed out to frontier airlines, kind of like the trailways of the sky, that, that Midwest Express is gone. It, it, it's just flat out gone. Secondly, given the nature of the airline industry in general, that this idea that you're going to be able to make it with the two across seating and the fancy stuff, I, I frankly, I just I don't see it happening. And this is the aspect I want to discuss with you. As I was mentioning earlier, I have a couple colleagues who who have family members or who themselves work in the airline industry, and we all know that you know airline travel nowadays to the extent there was any cachet involved in it that that's long gone. It it, it just it just is. Everybody says, well, you know, we don't like to be crammed into planes and we don't like to have to get nickeled and dimed on these things, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, here's what happens. Everybody that I have talked to who works in the airline industry who's involved with pricing, you know what they tell you? And they'll say this religiously. People could say, well, I want convenience or I, you know, I want overhead storage spin space or whatever. But what they find is that about 92% of the people, the decision, the reason they make a decision as to what flight to take, 9 out of 10, maybe actually even more, it's based on price. Uh, now, I, that's not me. I, I'm, I, I look, I want nonstop flights. I want them when I can go, and I'm willing to pay a little bit extra for that. But I admit I'm not the typical traveler, traveler, and maybe I've got a little bit more disposable income available. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at times. I'm looking at direct flights if I can get them. But most people, it's purely price. And I look at something like Midwest Express and this this model, the the small planes. And look, I, I love the two across seating and things like that. But even even if you're catering to the business traveler, businesses have become much more price conscious as well. All right, our number is four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to challenge. I mean, I invite you to challenge my theory. Like I say, the people that work at the airlines say. People might talk about all sorts of other things. They want convenience. They want the leather seats. They want the cookies. At the end of the day, though, it's all about how much a flight costs. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, how important, and I need you for this to work, you've got to be honest. You know, how important is price? Will you pay 50 or or $100 more to have a direct flight as opposed to a non, as opposed to having to change planes? You know, will you pay 50 or or $100 more to fly at 10 in the morning instead of having to fly out at 5.30 in the morning? Airlines say, despite what people say, it's all about the Benjamins. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if, if that's right, if price is the operative thing, I don't see how any of these, these airlines are going to be able to make it under this premise that we're going to be this high service thing. You know, that the spirits of the world, the, here, you know, we're, we're going to charge you for absolutely everything, but we're going to fly you at a rock bottom rate. I understand that, but that's not the business model that Midwest Express is talking about rolling out. 414-799-1620, we discuss in just a moment. I just, 
don't see the the Midwest Express business model. I, I just don't see it working in today's day and age because people care about cost. Period. Steve in Hartford. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, sir. I told your screener. I, for me, it's a couple extra Saturdays at work that pay for the have the comfort. When I'm on vacation, I want to be. You know, we're going we're going to Maui for two weeks. I I made sure I had the front front row and at the stretch seats, you know. I, right. It was, it was an extra 200 bucks. Well, that's, you know, one or two Saturday mornings at work. So what, right? So you're willing to pay a little, you're willing to pay a little bit extra oh, for that absolutely. comfort. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't go on vacation that much. When I do it, I, I'm going to spend it. Well, and I think, and see, and, and I do too. But but keep in mind, like with Midwest Express here, what what they're doing is I, I, they got to be going after business travelers. I mean, they're, they're Cincinnati, Omaha, Grand Rapids, God bless. But and, and the, the companies aren't going to the, the companies nowadays aren't spending for that type of stuff. And, and again, I I understand. I'm the same guy. I I I kind of look. I, I want I want a nonstop flight, and I don't know what the price point is, but I'll I will definitely pay more for for that convenience. But that's not where most people are nowadays. Let's talk to Tyler in Waukesha. Hi, Tyler. Hey, how are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Okay, will you pay? What would you pay more for? I will gladly pay an extra fifty or hundred dollars for a direct flight. Right. I'm like you. I look at time as money. It's very valuable to me uh, for whether I'm going on vacation or a business trip, and I'd rather not spend that extra four hours in the airport or i'd rather not do that extra flight and lose all that time so we uh i and or my wife will definitely pay more for that direct flight that's just where we are yeah me too but I, again like i say everybody i know that works for the airline says that you know most people that's not it they're, they're searching those websites for the, the the cheapest possible way that they can get down to disney world and if that means you got to change planes twice that's how they're doing it now i don't get it that's not me but Again, I'm, I might not be the, the typical guy that's flying to Disney World. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and when I get to my destination, I'm always, you know, I'll rent my own car and plan my own trip. I don't do the excursions either. We like to make our own trip. That's right. Thing. But that's us. Yeah, no, thanks. And, I, and again, I, I, you know, people say that, and I, I'm sure Tyler's like that. I, I acknowledge that I'm like that. But it, it's, I, I would like nothing better than to see a market develop for, again, you know, a, a luxury type of airline. I, I think that that's outstanding, but it didn't work before, and I just, I don't see it working again. And I, I wish Midwest Express all the all the success. I, you know, knock off the stuff about the chocolate chip cookies. I mean, seriously, that's, I, I would much rather have, I remember when they used to serve, like, lobster and wine and stuff. If you want to talk about that, let's go back to those days. That's when it was really a draw. I just don't see it happening. And if you can, if you can run, create a, a business airline to a couple hubs and things like that, that's fine. But if anybody thinks that the glory days of Midwest Express are coming back, I'm sorry, they're long gone. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Hey, let me cut through the spin on this breaking story today about James Comey, the former FBI director. He claims he's completely vindicated. He thinks people should apologize for slandering him. Bottom line is, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And when it comes to James Comey, I don't think anybody owes him an apology. Now, here's the story. 
the Department of Justice. Now, he's the former FBI director, and you will recall this is the guy who, who didn't like President Trump. And so what he started doing is he started um, take, taking down memos of his official meetings between him and President Trump. He's the FBI director. Then what he did is he took these memos and he leaked them to a friend. Uh, and then the friend, with Comey's blessing, gave the information to the New York Times, okay? Um, and they only did this after Comey was removed from the FBI by Trump. And in these memos, it contained all sorts of information about sensitive FBI investigations. So what Comey was doing is he had access to this stuff. He had given it to somebody else, and he wanted to get it out in public, all right? There's all sorts of FBI regulations like this. Now, he wasn't prosecuted because the information contained in the memos was not classified information. So it's not a crime what he did. But, and this is the report that comes out today, it it just, and it rips James Comey, because even though it wasn't classified information making it criminal to do this, the information that he leaked were in a violation of the FBI policies and his employment agreement with the handling of official memos. So it's one of those deals where, right, it's not a crime to do apparently what he did, but it's against all these sort of policies and against the, these rules. So Comey is out there saying, oh, I'm vindicated. People need to apologize. And candidly, if, if you read this this report, you, you get the idea that, that Comey – was was just a sleaze. Um, here's what the report says. that We conclude that Comey's retention, handling, and dissemination of certain memos violated Department of Justice and FBI policies and his employment agreement. Much of the content of the memos was directly tied to FBI investigative activities. So, again, I... I'm not arguing that he should have been criminally prosecuted. What he did doesn't amount to a crime, apparently. But that doesn't mean it was the right thing to do. And for Comey to be saying, oh, look, look, I'm patting myself on the back for all this stuff. No, it, it doesn't work that way. You violated office rules. You, I think, betrayed your oath of office. And even though it's not a crime, it doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. And that's actually consistent. I have a number of friends who still, to this day, work for the FBI and um, nobody was that enamored of James Comey. The, the thing was that he was a guy who always – people. he always struck a lot of people that I know who met him as being kind of like too clever by half. And I think that's what this thing was as, as well. He wanted to keep his job. And this isn't a defense of Donald Trump. I mean, it, that's, it's not that a, at all. And maybe Comey had legitimate concerns about Donald Trump. But the problem is you, you don't – if you're the government employee, you, you don't get a r- chance, uh, the right to make these own rules. And if the FBI director, the rules that apply to everybody else apply to you as well. So James Comey is kind of claiming, I've been vindicated. Uh, this It's a scathing report, really a scathing report that takes him to account for violating all sorts of department rules. All right. There is a very interesting story in the Journal Sentinel um, written by the, the columnist Jim Stingle that, that raises an issue that I have talked about repeatedly on this program. But I want to tell you the story, and then I, I want to discuss. My, my takeaway of this is that car theft needs to be a bigger deal than it is treated because it has a direct 
impact on people's lives. Now, right now in the city of Milwaukee, they estimate that so far this year, there have been around 2,200 cars that have been stolen. Of those 2,200 cars that have been stolen, the vast majority have not been recovered. So what happens, you know, to you when your car gets stolen? Well, first of all, there's the shock that you've gone out, your, your car is gone. There is the inconvenience that happens because maybe it's your only car. You got to figure out how you're going to get to work. You got to deal with the hassles of um, the insurance company to the extent, hopefully, that you have insurance that covers it. If you've got stuff that's left in the car, that's gone as well. And the, just the overall idea that you have been violated. And I'm not talking about carjacking now. I'm just talking about simple car theft. But you know, your car is in many respects next to your house, one of your biggest assets. And all of a sudden, you have this asset that you need that's worth five or ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars or maybe more and it's gone so here's the story that stingle writes about involves a a guy who lives in in wauwatosa he lives in the washington heights area what happens is july 25th early morning pre-dawn hours 4 a.m he gets up and he notices that his car has been stolen from his driveway it's gone he calls 911 and he says, okay, my, my car's been stolen. And they say, well, we, we can't send anybody out. You've got to go down to District 3 Police Station and file a report. So 6.15 in the morning, he gets up, he goes down to District 3. He files the report. My car has been stolen. 10 o'clock in the morning, he gets a call from the cops saying his car has been found. 2500 block of North 38th Street. What are the odds of that? Apparently what had happened is a neighbor in that area had called the cops after hearing a couple of these teenage car thieves arguing over whose turn it was to drive the stolen car. All right, the story gets better. So, the guy the guy gets a ride to the location. All right? And he finds a police officer lifting prints from the car and taking Photos. All right. He gets his car back minus the stuff that was in it, which has been stolen. But he's got his car back. So he he gets it washed, gassed up, takes it back home. All right. Two o'clock in the afternoon. He steps onto his outdoor deck. He's calling the VW dealers to try to make a quick appointment to reprogram his key fob. He looks out at the street and he sees. The same, apparently this is the same two kids who have now stolen his car again. Apparently, I think what happened is um, they, they got, there, there was an extra, he had a, these key fobs, you know, the keyless entry things. He left his spare key fob in the glove compartment, which is a no-no. If you're doing that, if you're leaving that extra key fob in the glove compartment, for the love of God, don't do that. Because what happened is, when these punks stole the guy's car the first time, you know, they rifled through it, they took everything, they took the spare key fob. So the car is recovered, it's back, they've got the key fob, he hasn't had a chance to get it to the dealer to have it reprogrammed, they come back to his house and they steal the car again. Gru is smiling. If that was your Prius, you would not be smiling at this story. So they're driving away. 
All right. What he does is he then he calls the cops and he says they're they're driving away. You know, they're they're just they're just driving away. And the police say, well, sorry, we can't do anything about it. Um, you got to come down to the station and fill out another report. I, mean, I got to fill out a report. They're driving right away. And they say, come down and fill out a report. And of course, they haven't gotten the car back yet. And it's it's gone. And apparently what happened is. Um, he only had liability insurance on the car. It was a 2008. So, I mean, he's out the value of the car. So in this case, it's costing him, you know, he's going to be out, you know, however many thousands of dollars that car was worth. And he had to go out and buy a new car for, it said, for like 15 grand. So, and he'll never see that again. The car has disappeared. Yes, was it dumb to leave the second key fob in the glove compartment? Yeah, it, it was. So that's kind of the object lesson. But the bottom line here is you have these two punks who stole the same car twice, twice within a matter of, what, 12 hours or so, completely and totally unafraid of consequences from doing this, confident that they're probably never, ever going to get caught. Now, I understand that the Milwaukee police, Lord knows, have a lot of things to do. And, you know, when you're dealing with shootings and homicides and um, firearm crimes, I, I get it that maybe car theft isn't that big a deal. Maybe it's not considered that big a deal. But I think it is a big deal. And I think this is one of these kind of quality of life issues where it really needs to be a concentrated priority. If nothing else, the disruption to your life when you are victimized or then re-victimized in this particular case, it is just huge. And we need to do more, I think, to hold car thieves accountable. It is a disgrace to me that in Milwaukee County, the district attorney will not, will not um, recommend juveniles being forwarded into adult court for car theft, regardless of how many cars they have stolen. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess maybe what I'm kind of getting at, if if you have ever had your car stolen, is is this really this victimless crime? Oh, there's insurance. It's no big deal. We don't need to make this a priority. Because if you've ever had your car stolen, my guess is you have a completely and totally different reaction to that. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I understand in this particular circumstance, you know, leaving your key fob, a spare key fob in the car is a really, really bad idea. But it's not like you're inviting people to come and steal your vehicle. 414-799-1620. Is car theft really this victimless crime that we shouldn't be concerned about? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Call me naive. Car theft is a big deal. Why don't we treat it like that? Here's a text, Jeff. It's never going to be a priority in the DA's office to prosecute juveniles unless and until it's their own car that was stolen or the car of a close family member or a judge in Milwaukee County Circuit Court. Then suddenly it will become priority number one. Bob in West Dallas. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Yes, I think it's a major problem and not just an inconvenience to the people who lost their cars. But the thing I don't understand is why are they charged with operating without consent, whether it's an adult or a child? Why isn't it felony theft? Yeah. 
Yeah, right. You you steal right exactly. You steal a fifteen thousand. If you embezzle fifteen thousand dollars from your employer, you're going to be charged with felony theft. If you steal a fifteen thousand dollar vehicle, why? Yeah, why don't we consider that felony? And why don't we prosecute it to the fullest extent of the law? I totally agree. No, right. Thank, I mean, and that's. I mean, again, that that's the frustration that that is that is out there. And I think there's this attitude of, okay, it's it's kids that are stealing the stuff for joyriding. Well, not necessarily, um, as evidenced by the fact that they've still got this enormous number of cars that aren't recovered. But yeah, they're they're in many cases it's they're being you know sold on the black market or they're being used for rolling drug houses the kids that are quote unquote joyriding or blowing through red lights at 75 80 100 miles an hour and of course you've got the inconvenience to the people who've lost this janet on the north side janet you're on wtmj well good afternoon hi it's janet funny you're talking about the cars being stolen i had mine stolen twice i had a honda accord right and right in front of my house one day i got up for my nap poof it was gone and uh, another time, about four months before that, I was parked downtown at work. Poof, gone. <laughs> okay, same car, stolen both times? Yep, and it wasn't my fault. They have um, a problem with the Honda Accords. It was 21 years old. You just take an old key and you scratch it down, and I guess it, you can just make it work. Okay, so the first time it's stolen from a city street by by your work, obviously they yeah. recover they recovered the they recovered the car. Obviously, they found it. Yeah. Okay, so you get it back, and then they steal it again from your house. In front of my house while I'm napping. Um, did did they ever catch who did it? Yeah, they caught him in a chase. It was in Greendale. Cause there's not a lot of crime there. Plus, I have some distinctive bumper stickers. Okay, so, uh, so okay, so so work with me. Your your car has now been stolen for the second time. You report it stolen. The police see the stolen car. They 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 try to pull the guy over. He goes off on a chase. They catch him. All right, tell me what happens, Janet. Is is he serving a five year prison sentence now? <laughs> I went. He was going to plead not guilty, so I went to be a a presence to say no. I didn't give him permission to use my car, and because I came. He pled guilty, and they sentenced him to go to school uh, to avoid me and to and not no restitution. I, and I tell you, I asked for a thousand hours of community service. I didn't even want restitution. Right. Nothing, as far as I'm concerned, he's out there, and and he had the car a week. His mom had to have known. How? how so this was a juvenile. How old was the kid that stole the car? Fifteen. Fifteen. Led the police on a chase, not waved into adult court, um, no restitution to you, and just the order is that he goes to school. Yeah, pretty much so. (laughs) And we wonder, Janet, why punks are out there stealing people's cars. (laughs) Well, you know, I had to put one of those kill switches in there then, and then I gave it away to my niece. Right. I wasn't going to drive it again. No, no. Th- thanks for calling. No, I mean, okay, but th- this is this is the frustration. Thank, thank you for the for sharing the story, Jen. I mean, this is the frustration that people have with this stuff. I mean, right, it's stolen twice in a couple month period of time. They catch the punk, fifteen years old, after he leads the cops on a car chase, and what ends up happening? Well, no, we're not even thinking about waving him into adult court. We're just going to say, go to school. You know, and and don't go back and steal this car again. Gee, how many other cars do you think that punk has stolen since then? Jeff in Hales Corners. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. 
they they stole my wife's car out of the parking lot at work. It it had the club on it. It had the club on it, and some coworkers some coworkers were outside on, on their smoke break, and they saw the car leaving the parking lot, tearing out of the parking lot, and they and they knew that it was not myself or my wife driving it, and so we called. They called nine one one, and then and then they had to call me. Okay, so so how okay how, how did they steal it with the club? <laughs> yeah, well that didn't slow them down. That didn't slow them all down at all. They cut the they cut the steering wheel. The oh. club was the club was laying on the floor. Uh, late, later on, we recovered it, but but as as these two guys tore out of the parking lot uh, as fast as my my big fancy Cadillac would go, then. Then they called me up, and I beat the cops there. I'm driving a dump truck, and I beat the cops there. And the cop finally shows up and opens up his pad and says, we're going to start filling out a report. I said, if you start chasing them, we can catch them. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very a distinct big white Cadillac. We're right. going to get these guys. No, he said, we're going to fill out a report. And I'm frothing at the mouth because my car's going down Howell Avenue. <laughs> it's it, not funny. Later, it, later in the day, we recovered it. Uh, in in a in a bad part a town in a big bad alley and and we later got rid of the car because uh, yeah I know I get no. because we didn't like it we we didn't we didn't it wasn't our pride and joy anymore after it was stolen but no I I understand no thanks I'm sorry Jeff I'm kind of up against the clock but yeah I I, I understand after it's been stolen and you find it you know, like abandoned in some alley and you don't know what's been done in that car I get exactly why <laughs> that you might not want to be driving that believe me I understand bottom line of all this and the story in the paper just kind of underscores this I I just. To me, this is a big deal. It affects people in so many different ways. Why do we not hold kids accountable when we do this? Why don't we hold adults accountable when we do this? This is another example when it's the DA's office and it's the juvenile judges. You are so out of step with where most of the community is. Now, I understand there's always a certain segment that says, okay, well, we can't be too tough on on these juvenile delinquents. But you are so out of step with where most people are that it, it does make you wonder how you have your jobs. All right, back with more in just a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back, so glad to have you with us. What would this country look like if all the rich people moved to Ireland or Bonaire? Rude, do you know where Bonaire is? Oh, I, I used to. Okay, well, and the reason I, I ask that is because my brother-in-law, Franz, he's from he's from Bonaire. Bonaire is a protectorate of the Netherlands, but it, it's down off the coast of Venezuela. It's part of like the ABC island, like Aruba, Bonaire, Curacao, and stuff. I have not been there, although I have a standing invitation to visit them. He spends about half the year up here and half the year down there, and I am told it is beautiful. Now, I'm not a diver, but I'm told that the diving and stuff is absolutely spectacular. But but it, it's a it's a place to go. As is Ireland. Now you might say, Jeff, why are you talking about this? Why? What? What about? What is this about rich people like moving to Ireland and things like that? Because I have seen the future, and it is something that's going to happen if some people running for elective office get their way. Bear with me. In this country, we tax income. When you all right, so you think about your own job. You work at your job. You get paid a salary. At the end of the year, 
you have to settle up with the IRS and they tell you, let's say, let's say for the sake of argument that you make $100,000 a year, just a round number, and you pay $25,000 in federal and state tax, okay? So you've paid tax on that $75,000, right? So let's say, again, just simple things, let's say you take that $75,000 and you put it in a bank account, and then that bank account pays you whatever little amount of interest that you have for that next year. All right, so let's say they pay you $5,000 in interest. Eh, that's inflated, but just work with me here. And so that next year, you get a statement from the bank saying they've paid you $5,000 on that $75,000, and you pay tax on the $5,000 in interest that you've earned. You don't pay tax on the $75,000 that's in that bank account that second year. Why? Because you paid tax on it the first year. You paid you pay tax on the new income that that money earned, but once you've earned it and paid taxes on it, it's yours. Similarly, let, let's talk about, let's say you buy a house, and let's say you're one of these fortunate people who you, you've saved and saved and saved, and you don't need a mortgage. Again, just work with me for this. Okay, so you know every year you've put money aside. Let's say you've you've put twenty five thousand dollars. You've saved. You put twenty five thousand dollars aside. You know every year you earn that money. You pay taxes on the year it, on, the, on it. The year you earn it, you put it in the bank. And then the same thing is true, and every year it's earning interest, you pay tax on those interests. So then you get $200,000 you've saved for eight years. You've got this $200,000, and you go out and you buy a house. Okay, so you take that $200,000 out of out of the bank. You don't pay tax on that $200,000 because you've already paid tax on it. Follow me? All right, the house. You pay property tax on the house, right, all that every year. But you, the, that $200,000 value of the house, it, it's not taxed. Now, there might be a point in time where you get to sell the house. And let's say you bought it for $200,000 and you sell it for $300,000. Well, you have a $100,000 profit. That's a capital gain. But you, you may or you, you might have to pay tax on that. Probably not because there's different rules. But the, the big point is you don't pay tax on the stuff that you own. You pay tax on what you earn. Now, there's an exception to that when it comes to like 401ks and things like that and IRAs, money that you're able to save that grows tax-free, and then you pay the tax on when you take it out. But we don't tax wealth. We tax income. Well, sometimes that means that you know it's going to be that, that people can amass incredible amounts of, of wealth. Or let's say maybe you've inherited a, a bunch of money. You know, you're, you're Chris Abley and dad's made a whole bunch of money. Um, you know, we don't, we don't tax you on the value of your, you know, two mansions. What we do is we tax you on, you know, the money that you have earned or the money that you've taken out of accounts, you know, that you, you treat as income. And, and that's been the basic premise. Well, there are a number of people running for president who think that that's the wrong way to do it. And what we need to do is we need to figure out ways to get at wealthy people who we think aren't paying their fair share of taxes. So these proposals that are out there that have been adopted by many of the Democratic candidates, for example, says, look, what we need to do is we need to figure out how much stuff is worth. 
and then we need to start taxing it immediately. So let's say you own, I'll use my example, you own a house that's worth $250,000. You bought it, you bought it for 250, now it's worth 400,000. Well, the idea would be instead of waiting until you sell it, what we're going to do is every year we're going to tax you on the increase in the value of the house. We're going to come in and say, hey, this house that you bought for $250,000, now it's worth $300,000. So we're going to pay, make you pay tax on that $50,000 paper increase, right? I know that sounds out there, but yet that is precisely what is being talked about doing for people over a certain income level. The idea that's being proposed is, well, essentially that anybody who has assets um, or income over a certain amount, half a million dollars, a million dollars, they should start paying taxes on their assets in addition to the taxes on their income. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand to some people that this might sound appealing. Let's soak it to those those evil rich, those people that have accumulated all these assets um, who really don't deserve them. If, I would argue, you were to do something like that, what you would see is probably anybody, any rich person in America who could afford it, you know what they'd be doing? They'd be moving to Ireland. They'd be moving to Bonaire. They'd be doing something to get out from under that. There's also huge practical matters about, you know, how do you decide how much something is is worth? You know, who's going to make that decision about, gee, you know, we bought your house for $250,000. Now we think it's worth 300000 But this idea that you have these rich people who have accumulated all this stuff, and that, you know, we shouldn't just tax them on their income, but we should tax them on the value of their stuff. What do you think about that? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And what is going to be the practical effect of doing something like that? Now, me, look, I, look, I, I know people... I know people who are well off. I know people who are wealthy. I know people I consider to be rich. You know, in, in every single one of those cases, I, I don't begrudge them if they have more than me. And I also don't think it's fair to say, all right, you know, you've, you've paid taxes on this various money. You've used it to buy things. Now we want to tax you on the value of those things. Now, to me, it's fundamentally wrong. And the effect will be if you try to do that, Everybody who has any degree of wealth, they're, they're, they're going to leave. And then you're really going to be up a creek. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. One of Elizabeth Warren's big points that she makes when she's giving public speeches is precisely that she says she wants to impose a 2% tax on the assets of anybody who is worth more than $50 million. And people go applaud, not just taxing, you know, their income, 
but taxing their assets 2% a year. And I guess what's the magic number about 50 million? What about 25 million? What about 10 million? What about 1 million? I mean, why why stop there? 414-799-1620. Here's a text. Jeff, I'm a progressive. This idea is stupid with a capital S. Why not just hand the Republicans the 2020 election? Let's start with Gene in Port Washington. Hi, Gene. Hi. Um, my point is I'm in real estate. My frustration is we all know that values don't always stay consistent. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, you're paying a certain percentage based on your asset and say the economy takes a little bit of a dive and you can bet your bottom dollar you've paid that higher tax, but once it takes a dive, do you think they're going to get a refund, or do you think they're going to adjust it? I don't think so. Well, no, and, and, and you know you make a great point. I mean, what does that do for budgeting? Let's say, Lord forbid, that you, you have another recession like in 2008, and yeah. people have been paying yeah. taxes on the value of their stocks that have been appreciating, or their, their yeah. real estate or whatever, and then the bottom falls out of the market, as does happen. Exactly. Then... Then what does that do? Does that mean that the government's going to owe billions and billions of dollars to people? Right. No. I don't think so. I, right, There's that, no way. No. Thanks. For, well, but the the other effect is, and I I will tell you this: if, if you're somebody that's in, look, for for most of us, you know, we can't relocate to Ireland, you know. But but I, I will tell you, you know, for people that have that kind of of wealth that have amassed that kind of wealth that are truly rich. I mean, the idea is you're going to say, wait a second, you want, you know, I, I've accumulated this money, I've paid taxes legitimately, and I've paid a ton of taxes, and now you want to start taxing me and just trying to decide how much my house, you know, in California is worth and how much my house in Florida is worth, and then you want me to pay 2% on top of that every year, which is going to turn out to be a big number. Maybe it's like, Hey, you know what? Maybe Bonaire or maybe Ireland's not looking that bad. I can still keep this property. You know, I can, I'll put it in some sort of trust or something like that. I can still keep the property and still come back to the U.S. But you know what? I, I'm not going to live here. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? I'm well, thank you. Good idea, bad idea. This would raise a boatload of money, maybe. No, it's absolutely. I mean, number one, there's so many, so many areas you can poke holes in it. Um, just because um, it's already been taxed. Right. What happens with the ones, you know, people think about, you know, wealthy or whatever. If you're going by assets, talk about somebody that has a farm that has, you know, millions of dollars worth of acreage yes. you know, and whatever. And they don't have the, I mean, they're, they're basically cash poor and asset rich. I mean, that doesn't mean spit. Well, well, right, exactly, and they're going to have to figure out if something like this would go into effect. And you know, let, let's say the let's say the land is worth an estimate five million dollars, but it, it's the land. Yeah, you know, to your point, yeah. you're, right, you're right. you don't intend to sell it. You're farming it. You're working it. Whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. Right. You, you don't have that. You know. And then the whole thing is between that and you know inheritance tax is another thing that, that drives me absolutely nuts. It's right. Kind of like, right. This thing's already been taxed like three times. So I mean, it's just like. Right. Really, where does it stop? And then, like what you said earlier, what's the you know line of demarcation as far as okay, how far down do you go? Right. It, it is the it is the frog in the warm water versus the frog in the boiling pot. You put him in the warm water, and then you start ratcheting it up, and pretty soon you have frog soup. You put him in the boiling water already, so you start off with fifty million, and everybody says, "Well, I I don't have assets of fifty million dollars. That's a small amount of people." And then then you start to lower it down, and you start to lower it down, and pretty soon it's affecting everybody. Thanks for I mean, when look, I I when did 
when did having money become such a bad thing? I mean, and especially, look, like I say, I know people who are financially well off. And I will tell you to a person, they are people that worked their tails off. You know, and they, they had this idea to build a better mousetrap, and they worked their tails off, and they built businesses, and they took all sorts of risks, and, and yes, they, they've succeeded. Now, of course, for every one person that you find that succeeded, you're probably going to find a 100 that have taken risks and have failed, but we're, we're going to punish them because they have been successful? Here's a text. Jeff, look at France's attack on the wealth. Many of the people who are well off have moved out of France. Uh, Jean Depardieu, the French actor, he's a Russian citizen now if you don't think this happens well okay again like maybe for for you and me we don't we don't we don't have that kind of mobility maybe if you're fortunate you can and, and this this plays out look this is an ongoing issue that that you see playing out particularly with a lot of retirees that decide to leave wisconsin and move to lower tax states and I understand that doesn't affect everybody, but if, if you can do it, you sit there and you say, okay, well, I love Wisconsin, but I can come back and I can visit. I can set up residency in Tennessee or Florida or wherever, and I can save a lot of money on taxes. If you don't think that that is a factor that a lot of retirees consider, well, you're just being naive. And similarly, if you started doing this, I mean, really trying to go after the value of people's assets, well, then I think you'd see a lot more of that. And again, I, I understand that there's this frustration. Oh, why does Chris Abley need, you know, two mansions? And why does he need to own, you know, the condos worth three plus million dollars in the couture? All right, to me, that's not the right question. I mean, it, that, as long as he's, as long as he's spending his money, that's a good thing for the economy. And as long as he's paying taxes on what his income is, all right, that's a good thing. You can't start looking at assets, but that's going to be one of the things. And as a matter of fact, in the upcoming Democrat debate, that's going to be one of the talking points, and it's going to be one of the points that everybody applauds with. Let's soak it to those people who have too much money. Wonderful. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa. I leave during the news break to walk in to get a cup of coffee, and then I kind of walk past my, my little cubicle. The, the whole crowd over in our, our AM programming section, they're breaking bad on me. And, and, and I'm, they're like, well, congratulations to you. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? And, and okay, so, I mean, here, here is the deal. This company that we work for, Good Karma Broadcasting, and I, I say this a lot, it's actually, it, it's, it's really a good company to work for, and, and having... You know, having, you know, worked for Journal and the good times and the not so good times and then scripts and th- this, this acquisition for the first, it's just been absolutely great. And there, it's, I, I've never worked for a more people oriented company and they do big things that are very good for the employees and then they do little things. Out, out of the clear blue, you'll, you'll get something that says, okay, here's a $10 gift card to Amazon or a $10 gift card to Panera. It's, they do, they do big things too, but they do little things. And for the last two weeks, they, as part of this, like, Good Karma brand, this Good Karma week GKB thing. GKB week, doing, yes. GKB mm-hmm. week, right. They, they've, been, they've been doing different giveaways of things, including they've been drawing winners for four packs of tickets to a Brewers game. All right? Yes. Okay. Oh, I, I can see. I, I can see from this tone. So I, <laughs> I, I don't, I typically don't enter those things mm-hmm. because... I, I figure I, I get a chance to do all sorts of other stuff and, and let let other people win. So I, but apparently this one you didn't have to enter. It was just a random drawing of all employees. So 
All right, we, we've been giving away tickets. It's four packs of tickets to go to the Brewers game um, Friday, September 20th. And so I walked back. I, I was one of the ones that won. My yeah, name I saw your name there. on there. See, I hadn't seen this. I hadn't been checking my I don't my think email. anybody put my name on that list or in that box. I don't, well, I, 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 I don't know. Because <laughs> I didn't win But anyhow, tickets. okay. Well, well, see, but congratulations. Well, well, see, but you you mean it. So I walk over there, and everybody, including your partner, McCure, yeah. they're breaking bad on me. Well, I saw you won. Like, you don't go to enough games. I'm going, one what? And stuff like that. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. huh, I mean, I see. I'm rooting for everyone else there, and but it, it's it's a nice. Little it is feature. a nice thing that people can win. They, yeah, they and do. they didn't. And the fact that you didn't even have to enter it—that's nice. Well, no, because like I said, I intentionally. A lot of times, there's things that they have that you have to enter, and I just, I, I almost always, almost always just make the decision. Mm-hmm. Let 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 some let somebody else win it. That's you know that that that's fine. But this one you didn't have to enter, so no. I got those four tickets. That's so you're amazing. At, you're at least happy for me, right? I am, of course. Right. I mean, everybody else over there just breaking bad. How about you, Gru? You you satisfied? Are you happy with me that I won those tickets? No, sure. you wanted it. Yeah. Well, he's like, only if you take me with you. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 well, he, I, I see where he sits. He's, you know, he, he's got his own ins over there. We, we see, we run into each other at ball games and stuff. But it is interesting. It's kind of a, um, it, it's again, it's, it's one of the. It is nice. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, a nice, nice little thing. perk. And it's yeah. a matter of fact. The big news out of this company is they uh, struck a long term deal to run the uh, the C, the ESPN affiliate in Chicago, which mm-hmm. is a big big deal as well. It's nice to work for a company that's kind of growing and stuff. And I committed. know. I love that. Isn't and it's nice? committed to radio. They're thinking like about the future and and yeah, like you said, like growing and and they really do care about. I don't. You don't feel like a number. You feel like they they know you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I know. I think I really think that goes with having a, a smaller, locally owned company. Oh, when, yeah. when you get corporate, it, you know nobody knows. No, and some people hear that and they say, "Oh, you're just kind of sucking." No, no, not I, really. I, no, no. I, mean, I, I, there is I got a huge nothing difference. to suck up for. No, no, it's just yeah, not. Yeah, no, yeah. it's no, it's just it's that. Okay, here's what I was going to ask you: Are you a hugger? When when you meet people, do you hug? Are you a you a hugger? It depends on who it is. If it's someone I'm really excited to see, yes. Uh-huh. Um, if it's someone that, you know, it depends on. If I saw someone at work, I probably wouldn't hug them. Right. Even if I was really good friends with them, maybe. But um, friends, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, okay. definitely. Yeah, I'm a, t- I'm kind of a touchy. Eh, no, no, was it, not it, in a weird way, but you know. No, no, I know. I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 this wasn't. Yeah, weird. definitely no, hugs. I like it's, hugs. It's sort of interesting. I grew up in a family. Our family was not huggers. That we we just weren't. Right. And my late wife, her family were not huggers. So most of my life, I I I just I haven't been around Let huggers. Fran's I, I, wife is huggers. Fran, my <laughs> wife Fran, she is a hugger. Her, my sisters-in-law are huggers. My brothers-in-law are huggers, and my my wife, who knows everybody, most of her friends are huggers. Mm. So and and so, I am becoming a hugger. I mean, I'm not uncomfortable with it. It's just, no, I, I just didn't grow up with that. So so now you meet people, or you know, it's somebody that you met a couple times. We we hug. Okay, so this this is the, and I like I that. I, well, I don't mind it. I don't mind it You're either. You're changing, Jeff. I, I am changing. <laughs> I am evolving, and it's all for the best. So I, I am becoming a hugger. I bring this up. I bring this up because there is a controversy. As a matter of fact, there's a huge story in the New York Times today. They tie it back to politics. Because remember a while back, Joe Biden was getting mm-hmm. all sorts of heat because he is a hugger, too. And there were a couple women who were saying, oh, back in, you know, whenever he hugged me and I felt that it was a little bit uncomfortable or whatever. And and the explanation was, well, it's kind of like a generational thing. You know, he, he wasn't he wasn't grabbing women by the buttocks or grabbing mm-hmm. pe- women by the breasts. He was hugging. hugging. Yeah. And, you know, when when you embrace somebody, I mean, it's 
it's a more personal thing than a than a handshake. But and it depends on how long the hug is. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> I yeah. mean that could that could become right. a danger zone. Right, and, or, or, <laughs> like, right, and or, or how right? I mean, I understand or how closely right, you, you right. right. Is, is yeah. it a is it a, a growth pat on or the a back? Or, yeah, right. yeah. But but no, it's, <laughs> and so I mean, I admit I always kind of wrestle with this whole sure. thing. Okay, how long is too long and that type of stuff? But you know, okay, so I, I understand the value of hugging, and I I thought. I thought Joe Biden was get a, getting a lot of unfair sort of criticism because maybe it's a generational thing. But in general, I think there's people who just they hug when they see each yeah, other. They're, I agree. You're, you're either a hugger or you're not. Well, interesting story in The New York Times today. There has been a backlash to the um, kind of the anti-hugging. And now at all these campaign events that Biden does. There's women that line up and want to be hugged oh by gosh, him. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean that, that's the and they're they're kind of defiant about this mm-hmm. whole thing because it's like, look, th- this isn't sexual. It's not like this is the creepy grandpa who's trying to you know grab us and you know cop a feel or something like that. This is just <clears throat> it's it's his way of expressing things, and we find it to be. Refreshing? I don't know. I think there's something uh, about physical touch, not in a weird way, but it's, it's a warm, a warmth. Right. A warmth? Exactly. I think that's the right word to say. All right. 414-799-1620. That's a great topic, That by is the, the way. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Well, I, I just... And again, I'm, I'm not here to defend Joe Biden, but this is it was interesting because apparently there's been a backlash to you have some people saying, oh, you know, it, it's 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 improper for him to do this. And the story in The New York Times talking about all these, uh, for example, like there's a woman who she's telling him that he has she has like terminal cancer or blood cancer or something. And he reaches out and he hugs her. And she says that was exactly oh, what I needed. Yeah. You know, that's exactly what I needed at at the time. So here I think is, it could be called uh, empathetic. You're feeling yeah. empathy for someone, right? And if again, you've gone through something. As we're talking about, Melissa, there, there is. I, I understand. There's hugging, and then there's kind of like grasping and right. groping. And so, and I, I'm, I'm right. Obviously, if you're, you know, and we all understand we all know where what that, that is. difference is. Mm-hmm. But but four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This to me raises this kind of broader thing. I mean. Can in 2019, can men and women still be huggers? I mean, can can you, in fact, uh, again, with casual acquaintances or, you know, maybe it's, it's even people that, you know, you've got some sort of connection to, but it's like the first time you meet them. Can can people can people be huggers? I, I will. I had this happen at the ball game yesterday. I was at the baseball game. I, I did this fifth inning thing up on the dugout. I ran into somebody who was. A listener. It was a, a lady. She was um, she was there with a couple of her kids, and she. I, I got a hug. You know, she said, I've, "I've listened to you for years and years, and I really love the show." And you know, she kind of. It was just a quick little embrace. It wasn't anything creepy. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything sexual. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like that. Can we can we be huggers anymore? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. Let's start with Tony on the northwest side. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I am well, Jeff, thank you. I graduated high school in 72, and to this day, every time we run into friends and our wives at the festivals or fairs, it's always a hug or a kiss on the cheek. Uh-huh. You know, and I feel sorry for Biden, because that's ridiculous. But I got a, something to say about the, to the anti-huggers. Yeah. What they need to do is watch the prices right and watch these women that get <laughs> called on stage and and 
<laughs> well, they're right. They're happy. They're excited. Yeah. Now, look, I, I understand that there is a generational thing and things are creepy. They're, they're, the show Family Feud, the original host used to be Richard Dawson, um, who kind of he was on Hogan's Heroes and things like that. And, and he used to kiss all these women. And, and that I admit that kind of struck me as being creepy. So there, there's a there. But I see a difference between, you know, kissing and, and the hugging sort of thing. And and it, it's just it's a way. It's a little bit more personal and, and admittedly a little bit more intimate than like a handshake and stuff. But I guess I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. And it is interesting to me that you have some of these women who are reacting to the anti-hugging thing by lining up saying, Joe, we want to we want a hug from you. Phil in Sussex. Phil, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, good afternoon, Hi. Jeff. Thanks what, for taking my call. What do you think? I don't think there's anything sexual about it. I mean, I guess a creep can always make it creepy, but I just... I learned it from, I grew up like you, I wasn't a hugger. Um, I learned to be a hugger from one of my kids' uh, college baseball teammates' father, uh, who passed away from cancer five years ago. Tom was a very friendly, gregarious guy, and he was always happy to see you and greet you with a handshake and, and a hug. And yeah. it, 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 it's just a nice way to put a little bit more personal touch on, on a, a friendly greeting. Yeah, right. Exactly, and and it didn't matter. I assume if he was meeting men or women, it was just it was just kind of the way the guy was. He greeted everybody the same way. There was nothing creepy about it. He was happy to see him. Yeah, exactly. No, and I think that's. And again, it's you. You can. I, I think there's some people, and, and you do have to read the room. Now, I I acknowledge that. I mean, I think that there's some people who just. You know, really don't don't want that, and their body language is going to say, "Okay, we're 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 not huggers." But maybe even for that, it, it's kind of like, "Okay, well then maybe the embrace isn't. It's just it's just a much more casual thing." But actually, I think the world would be a better place if there was more hugging. Chris in New Berlin, Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hey, uh, Jeff. I'm personally on a personal basis, I'm a hugger. That's all good. But in business and political, it's a whole different world because if a vice president in his role, Biden, comes up to hug a female senator and she doesn't want it. What's she supposed to do? Put her hand to his chest and say no? It's caught on camera. She looks like yeah. a complete bitch. What, that doesn't help a whole lot. So you shouldn't put them in the, in the situation in business or professional or political of doing that because it might be unwelcome and but what about but what about the situation where you're you're at the the campaign fundraising event and you've got a bunch of of supporters who are who are thrilled to who, who are thrilled to see him and want to meet him and want the opportunity to kind of get up close and personal? If it's them bringing it, that's fine. But as a politician, he really shouldn't be the one bringing it to them. They should bring it to him. So you don't think he, you think his problem? You don't think it's right to initiate it? causes too many issues if the person doesn't want it what do you do how do you stop them and how does that look well, I, I, I guess I, I yeah I mean I, I understand and that's the I, I guess the safe course is is not to do that at the same time and then 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 you don't have have that and I, I and look I, I think Biden is being a lot more careful nowadays about this and I'm sure they're they're drilling him with saying okay don't come across like somebody's creepy grandpa and things like that I, I and I and I appreciate that I just think sometimes we get too carried away with this type of stuff. And I understand, yes, you don't want to be coming up from behind people and grabbing them. And I also understand that there's people who might get offended about these things. But you know what? Particularly getting beyond the, the whether it's appropriate for Joe Biden to do it or not, I, I think you know, there, there's. I'm finding this whole world out there. There's a lot of huggers that are out there, and you know, maybe the world's a better place if if we have a little bit more hugging. Just saying. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
You say public camping. I say flopping. Now, I have seen the future, and it is not pretty, and this could be happening in Milwaukee if we don't get a handle on this. In the city of Milwaukee already, you've got that huge tent city, the, the homeless encampment that, at least as of last report, continues to grow. You've got people living under freeway overpasses, and what you have is you know some some quote-unquote advocates for the homeless who think they're helping that are facilitating this by bringing people tents and bringing food and stuff instead of trying to encourage them to get off the streets where they belong. And so far, the city of Milwaukee just doesn't seem to know what to do about it, so they are allowing it to go on. And my guess is... It'll go on until the winter forces people inside, and then if they start to try to camp again next year, right before the Democratic National Convention, the city will crack down and not let them do that. My point is, if you're not going to allow them to do it during the Democratic National Convention, why are you allowing them to do it in August of 2019? But the bottom line is, more and more cities are facing problems with with the homeless. Homeless people... The and I and use use whatever terms you want residentially displa- displaced bums whatever you want to say have overtaken the city of San Francisco and this has been this ongoing problem to the point that you know if you're in the financial district in San Francisco you you can't walk down a single city block without being aggressively panhandled two three four times. Many storefronts, you can't walk into the shops without having to step over people who are sleeping in sleeping bags or or whatever, you know, in in the storefront. The same thing, and I have a handful of stories that I'm looking at right now, same thing is happening in Los Angeles. The same thing is happening in Portland. And the same thing is happening um, all over. But I'm, I'm looking at a story today out of the Washington Post. It's Austin, Texas. Austin recently, the city council and the mayor eased restrictions on what they call public camping. What What is public camping? Public camping sounds like, oh, you, you go out and you find a nice spot and you pitch a tent. Uh-uh. Public camping is flopping wherever you want on city streets. And in Austin, Texas, they apparently now allow people to sleep on the sidewalks, to sleep in storefronts, to just flop wherever they want. That's the euphemism. It's, it's called public camping. And interestingly enough, now Austin, Texas is a very, Texas is a conservative state, but Austin, it's, Austin is kind of like uh, Madison, except the weather's a bit nicer. You know, it, it's again, it's, it's where the state government's housed. It's University of Texas is there. So you have, it's sort of a liberal bastion, a blue bastion, and otherwise sort of red state, not unlike necessarily um, Wisconsin. But in the story I'm looking at, you have a lot of business owners who are, self-described liberals who are saying, well, now that we're seeing the effects of this so-called public camping, um, we're starting to rethink our political affiliations because the problem is people, our, our businesses are getting crippled by this because people, that they, they don't want to come to our storefronts if they have to climb over people who are sleeping in the sidewalk in front of our business. And and we're just and the concern is it's driving people away. Now again, the euphemism is public camping. The effect is flopping wherever you want. And it's not just a f- question and a function of people sleeping at night on the sidewalks. It's like 
laying all over the sidewalks, and with it comes all the other issues, and I don't mean to be graphic, but, you know, you've got the issues of drug use, and you've got the issues of going to the bathroom in public, um, kind of where you are, all those sort of issues. And yet there's a lot of people who think, well, we shouldn't be restricting people's rights. There's a city sidewalk, and if you can walk on the sidewalk, why shouldn't you be able to sleep on the sidewalk. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, at least so far in the city of Milwaukee, the, the, the quote-unquote public camping has, you know, centered on, like, areas under freeway overpasses and the immediate area there. But uh, is it unreasonable to anticipate that this pretty soon might expand into the Deer District, might expand you know, down Wisconsin Avenue, might expand down Water Street. But the fundamental question is, should people have the right to sleep on city streets? If I can walk on the city street, if I can sit down on a, a bench that's on the city street, shouldn't I have the right if I want to just flop on the city street? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And are we being unreasonable? Are we being haters if we say, no, that the city streets, this idea of public camping is absolutely absurd? 414-799-1620, we discuss in just a moment. Should you have a right to sleep on city streets? I mean, if you want to if you want to flop in the Deer District, should you have a right to flop in the Deer District? If you want to sleep in front of somebody's place of business, lay out your shopping cart and, you know, put up your put out your bedroll, should you have an absolute right to do it? And are we being cruel if we say no? 414-799-1620, we discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Let's start with Jay in Menominee Falls. Jay, good afternoon. Hey, hi. How are you? Good. What do you think? What do I think? I think this is a hot topic. So I have friends who live in uh, San Francisco who say they can't get out of their condo, which is a building, obviously, like right. an apartment building, and it's, it's disgusting. Okay, so I was listening to a podcast not too long ago, and I wish I could remember his name. The mayor of San Diego uh, started uh, a system called the Bridge System, where the city opened up buildings. Now, this is buildings, and... He was not very popular for doing this, but he opened up buildings where they would house the homeless because it's not fair to the homeless to just let them live in the streets, go to the bathroom in the street, right. drugs on the street. That's not being responsible uh, government, for one. Uh, two, you get these people the help that they need, whether it's by the city or they have what's called, I think it was called family revitalization, where... They get a hold of your family, and they mm-hmm. see if they can help you out, get you off the street. Right. That that's like the two ways that they they're not allowed to live on the streets in San Diego. Right. Well, you know, I mean, Joe, thank, Jay, thanks for calling. You know, in San Francisco, there's that old military base called the Presidio that they, they wanted to say, okay, we're we're going to open this up for free housing, and the homeless people, by and large, wouldn't go. No, they they want to be out on the streets. And I guess, you know, m- my point is. 
I, I mean, I love the euphemism, public camping. No, you, you're, you're flopping in the streets. And the last time I was in San Francisco, and I've told this story before, but it was the same thing. You, I mean, I, I don't understand how people can do business. You know, you, to get into a store, you've got to climb over two or three people, and I'm not exaggerating, to, to, to get in to, to people who are, like, sleeping on the ground. This story in the Washington Post today, this guy in Austin, he says, hey, I'm, I'm a liberal, and they're doing an interview with him, and there's, like, right outside his business, there's two guys sleeping on the sidewalk. Their shirts are off, whatever. And he's going, people, you know, they're not coming to my business anymore. They can't get here because they, they don't want to deal with this. They don't want to hop over people. And I will tell you, I don't understand how this is fundamentally different than what's going on in Milwaukee now. I mean, really, how is it? I understand right now you've got the tent city that's kind of in under the freeway overpass, underpasses downtown. But, I mean, what what is next? What happens if a bunch of people decide, hey, we're going to public camp and we're going to be on Water Street? Or we're going to go down um, out, down in the Deer District, and we're just going to flop on the sidewalks. Are we going to allow people to do that? And if we're not going to allow people to do it, how is it any different than what we're allowing people to do now? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Rick and Franklin. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Jeff. Uh, you know, this is happening already, obviously. I've seen it daily down in the uh, by St. Luke's Hospital there in 27th in Oklahoma. Okay. And um, it's, it's really gross, sickening, actually. And then 6th District Police Station is right across the street, and they just lay in the park over there, too. Right. It's, um, I don't know why they can't do anything, but uh, these people won't live. If they're vets or if they're anywhere, they, won't, they don't want to play by the rules. They no. don't want to do their drugs or their alcohol or whatever they do. No, well, you're right. I mean, I mean, what? I mean, no, thank, thanks for calling. What, look, here's the fundamental thing: not everybody is. It's tough to generalize, but a good portion of the people that are out there in these tent cities or flopping on the streets doing the quote unquote public camping, there, there's mental health issues, there's drug problems. Um, not everybody, but but that's a lot of what's going on here. And even when there's spaces in the shelter, you got people who don't want to go into the shelters because they've got rules. You can't fight. You can't drink. You can't you know do drugs. All those different types of things. And and so you have to decide what you're going to do here. And again, I understand the ultimate idea is to get people off the streets and get them into safe situations. I just don't think cities can allow this to happen because it it's a killer of cities. You know, and then again, you're not going to if if I ran a business in downtown Milwaukee and I had a bunch of homeless people who wanted to quote unquote public camp in front of my business, so people in order to get to my business had to step over a bunch of people or deal with aggressive panhandlers and then when they come to my storefront, before you can walk in and get the door to open up, you gotta climb over three people that are passed out at two o'clock in the afternoon, you know, half dressed. Okay, I, I'm finding a different place to shop. If I'm that store owner, I'm going, wait a second, I'm paying taxes. I'm employing people. What are you doing? And if you don't think it can get this bad in Milwaukee, well, uh, my question would be, why not? I, I mean, what what is going to happen as soon as this starts to spread out? People sleeping on the sidewalks outside the convention center. People sleeping on the sidewalks in the Deer District or the you know Water Street or wherever. 414-799-1620. Paul in Illinois. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Paul. I'll be in San Francisco next week huh. uh, for a major convention, so it'll be interesting to see how it is. But the thing is, a sidewalk is a public transportation route. Yes, hence the term sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, well, sidewalk, the yeah. Is, 
But there are restrictions placed on public transportation routes. You cannot ride a motorcycle on a sidewalk. I don't think they would allow camping on a major artery like Lakeshore Drive or Route 53 or 51. You know, there are restrictions for public safety. You cannot place obstacles on there. I think this is just a safety factor. I think there's a lot of factors involved. I do not think this is correct. But next week, I'll, I'll be seeing it firsthand, and we'll see what kind of impression. Are, are, are you are you staying downtown San Francisco? Yes, I am. Okay. The Federal is holding a annual conference there, and what's interesting is the World Dental Conference is also there at the same time. San Francisco is going to be on a highlight, and uh, we'll see how how the views are afterwards. Interesting. Well, Paul, I, I would appreciate. I mean, drop me an email or something, because I mean, it's been a few years since I've been to San Francisco, but. I, I, I was, I was shocked at how, and I, I think San Francisco has always been one of the great North American cities, and I've said this before. I was stunned a number of years ago when I was there, and I used to go there more than I do now, uh, about how it had just been overrun by bums, homeless, whatever phrase you want to use. And I, I don't think it's gotten any better at all, but drop me an email and let me know. But, but the bottom line of this, and I'm, I'll, I'll actually, I'll tweet out a link to this story. I mean, there, there are many communities where the attitude is that people should have a right to sleep on city streets. If you can walk on those city streets, well, you know, people should sleep on these things. And again, I, I love the euphemism public camping. To me, it, it's flopping. And if you want to talk about killing urban areas, this is it. I understand homelessness is a concern, and maybe it's a bigger concern as far as dealing with the homeless in warm weather cities like Los Angeles or Austin, Texas, than it is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where you inevitably have this winter that's going to drive people inside. But but the principle is the same. You can't just allow people to flop wherever they want. We don't let people camp in public parks, for goodness sakes. Why would we allow people to camp I don't know, on uh, in the Deer District or on Water Street or, for that matter, under freeway overpasses, 414-799-1620. Um, when we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind. Stick around.